The CGA Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to the latest episode of the CGA Tour. I'm still your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander. And on this episode of the podcast, I have frequent and recurring guest, Jake Carlson, as always. Jake, how's it going, man? Going well. How long has it been? I got my wisdom teeth removed, so it was oh, a little... Yeah. And I, and I did a couple, uh, last podcast I did was, um, week ago, or more than a week ago now, but it was on my birthday here with Walter in person in Oklahoma City, which, uh, was fun, because we got to sit six feet away from each other, and Walter wore a mask the entire time, but, um, he still was, you know, came over to my, uh, parents' house here, and, uh, got the podcast recorded, and that, that one was a lot of fun, we talked about a bunch of NBA stuff, but I think, to answer your question, it's been about two or three weeks now, uh, so yeah. we've done one, so... One in the new apartment as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta say, it looks good, man. Looks good. Good spot in Atlanta, for sure. Yeah, so. we like that one, so. Well, anyways, um, as as of today, we've seen that the Big Ten is reportedly or unreportedly canceling the football season. What's great is, is that there is that there are um, multiple reports from Dan Patrick and other well-known sources throughout, you know, throughout just ESPN history, you now NBC, of course, with him and, you know, Fox Sports, et cetera, et cetera, that have these reports. They don't have a direct source that they're naming, but they have reports out and it's not by the, you know, random dude on Twitter with a profile photo of a football, you know, or whatever. It's, it's actually like a reputable name that I, Normally, would go, yeah, that's a lot of good information and everything as well. The thing with this report is that the Big Ten supposedly has also come out and has the commissioner and all, all the other types of you know people from the Big Ten that you'd want to say they haven't made a decision yet. So they haven't said straight up said no. They just say we haven't made a decision yet. Um, I, I think this is coming to a point where you and I, of course, and as well as I can't imagine anyone else, is on the side where we want to watch college football, right? I don't think anyone's against that. I don't think anyone's on the side of anti-college football season of, no, 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 I don't want to see college football for whatever reason, right? But I also believe that you and I, now we we might be in the minority here, especially in the southern states that we, you know, were born and raised in, all type of stuff, (laughs) that we go, well, hang on a second. So I'm in the majority of, dude, I want to see college football, but I'm in the minority of, I want to see it happen safely and make sure it's worth it or just play it in the spring. Because <laughs> if you tell me, hey, OSU's not having a football season, period. Tylen Wallace and Spencer Sanders and Chuba Hubbard are not going to line up on offense. We're not going to see this three-headed monster offensive scheme with Casey Dunn's new OC. Then, yeah, I'm going to be really upset and sad and all type of stuff I'll because be, I was I'll looking be forward out. to it. I'll be yeah. bummed out. Right. That's right. I mean, I'll be I'll be upset. Yeah, I'll be bummed out. I'll be upset. I, you know, it, it's something I've been looking forward to. Of oh my gosh, dude. You know, this would be great. And but, uh, but at the end of the day, what are you going to do about it? Me personally, I'm going yeah. to hope that yeah. it happens. But 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 I mean that that's the other thing. There's nothing I can come back and go. Uh, okay, I guess I'm going to petition the NCAA. Like, what am I going to do? You know, yeah. like, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm going to make a change.org petition, you know, and, you know. I hate to break it to you, Calvin. They don't read your Facebook comments. They don't? No. <laughs> Man, really thought that everyone in the Big 12 was looking into that, especially Lincoln that, Riley, you know, especially the OU head coach. That applies to the rest of you. 
not just Calvin, but, oh, but okay. all-, all listeners, just as a heads up. Yeah, we're not. Um, I'm not reading your Facebook comments, and it uh, looks like Big 12 is not either. Unless you comment me in it or something to get my attention, then maybe I'll, yeah. then I'll, then I'll read it for sure. Uh, because I have that free time and I'm not a Big 12 football commissioner as well. I The, the other thing I'd say is, is that for, for already for us to be in August, right, and to have the season starting in less than a month, theoretically, this just seems like an MLB-ish type of thing. And I don't really want to get the MLB thing. I actually really would really rather have Alexi and a bunch of other people I know that follow MLB stuff better than better than I do. Um, but it's like college football, listen, you had a plenty of, you had a lot of time. You had all this time. You saw in March, hang on a second. What's time? Yeah. Yeah. You saw in March that, okay, listen, this could, this thing could still be an issue in August. So let's make a, let's make a, hey, let's make a proactive measure. Let's get ahead of this. Let's go. You know what? If, if this COVID-19 is still an issue in August, how can we get these players to practice safely to, do everything safely, right? I'm, I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah. I don't think that 50% of them thought this was going to still be an issue. And, and obviously, like, I'm not telling you you're wrong or anything, but I, I legitimately think that probably at least half of the ADs in the Power 5 conferences didn't think it would still be an issue or didn't even, like, buy into it at the beginning. Right. Well, well, and so that's what I'd say, though, is that, listen, you had all this time. You had the time to set up and go, all right, let's say this thing is an issue, right? What can we do? But it seems like a lot of people just sat on their hands and went, eh, it's not going to be a thing. Hey, August, it's five months out. Wait, August, <laughs> five months out. Come on. We're, we're, we're all going to stay at home. We're all going to wear masks and no one's going to go out and do anything anywhere in the entire U.S. Isn't and- that what's happening? Yeah, and in June, we'll be good to go. All right, I don't think I'm going to chance. And by June, you know, hey, April, May, two solid months of 60 days. June 1st, we're up and running. We're good to go. I want to precursor this before, if anybody wants to jump on our case. Um, we do not envy anybody <laughs> in this position. This is all purely speculation because, like, no. yeah. politicians, we don't – as you guys know, we don't really try and get into politics on this podcast. That's not our that's not our MO. You no. know. We've and deleted a whole thirty minute thing about Gundy's t shirt. Yeah, so we're not getting into politics at all. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't want to get into politics and that whole thing, but like just we're just commentating. We don't want to I would never want to be in this situation that any of them are in. I would never want to make this decision. Um I could tell you what I think. And I could tell you what Calvin thinks because we both think the same thing, but we're not going to. So sorry, um, that's just where we're at. But but that's that's the main issue. That's the main thing that we need to get across is like we we still have respect for the people in these positions because it is a very difficult place to be in right now. Right, and and on that point, I want to say too. It's not like either of us know what the solution is. You know, it's not like either of us were going in June going, hey, this is what college football needs to do. And here's how you play safely in August. Neither of us have any ideas, right? Neither of us held some stuff. It just, the way the information is being related to the fans and the way that the information of 
Will they play? Won't they play? What'll happen? Will there be a schedule? Will there be non-conference? Will there be the plus one? Will there be just all these what if, what if, what if, right? Stuff. It's not something that the avid college football fan and myself knows. You know what I mean? And that's what makes me go, did you sit on your hands? Or is this more of a, hey, we have all these plans in place, but we don't want to come out and say, listen, X, Y, and Z are canceled, and we don't want to say it in August. Because, listen, the first game's not going to be until late in September. You know what I mean? So, why would we come out and, you know, come out middle of August and go, hey, listen, we're going to tell you plenty of time in advance to, there's no way this happens. Because, one, this is definitely a wait-and-see type of thing. And two, this is a, oh my gosh, this is an unprecedented event. It's never happened before. We don't know. There's not a system in place to handle this type of thing. So you have one working against two and two working against one as, as well. Of uh, All right, why would we not just go ahead and wait and figure out what happens, right? You know, and, and you, we watch the NBA and we see how that's unfolded. We watch MLB and we see how that's unfolded, right? And I think you and I kind of go, well, what was stopping the MLB from playing in Peoria, Arizona, and from yeah, and in Florida, right? Playing at every team plays at their own spring training site. We're good to go. They have one theoretically one game a day. They're able to put the new fields in just like they are in spring training, and we're good to go, right? Because one has worked and one hasn't. Well, one one has worked seamlessly without any issues, right? And the other one has worked with some issues. Period. Right, MLB, they're still playing games. They've got games today. They've got games tomorrow. The season, they didn't try and stop. But once one is com- is completely good, you know, with far less personnel and players, all of the stuff. You know, I mean, you're talking half the amount of players that are playing on an NBA team, et cetera. Put them slack there, right? Like, right. We, right. But the thing is, is like the if this were the NBA, right? If Adam Silver were the commissioner of the MLB, like three days ago, the MLB would have been done, like cut off. They wouldn't be playing anymore. Um, And I think that's the interesting point. It's like, we know Manfred is like awful. Like he has surpassed (laughs) Roger Goodell in terms of commissioner wise. So it's, it's a little different, but like silver has been pretty, adamant and cut and dry about like look if you leave you're not playing for 14 days that's it i mean yeah yeah it's it's not uh, it's it's funny to see how this unfold and funny from the aspect of I kind of want to be able to laugh at, at some part of this at some point because everything else is so um you look at numbers, you look at all this type of stuff, you look at everything, and it's just, it's not, I mean, it's a global pandemic. Not getting away from that, right? Yeah. But I, but I want to go, hey, hey, at least we'll have college football, you know? And, and then I think it's kind of funny how people just go crazy over social media of, why in the world would we not have college football? How how dare you say we wouldn't? It's like, hey, can, you, can you start looking at, like, other stuff that we're all looking at at the same time? You know, can we all get on the same page here of, this is X, Y, and Z of why it does make sense and why it doesn't make sense right now, and meet us somewhere in the middle, you know. And so I, it's tough with the college football thing because 
I think everybody, based off the way the numbers have been going, would be expecting a spike once school starts in every aspect. Once you know, once high school goes back and all the all public schools go back, and then once colleges go back, which obviously start a little bit later, and I think that's the fear that everybody has is what are the numbers going to look like in middle September? Because they could go down and we could play college football and it's like, oh, okay, you know. And and the problem with this is you're there's no in-between. You're always going to be wrong to somebody. It's like an umpire, right? Like, it's if you're a commissioner and you don't play and things get better, then it's like, oh, well, you should have played. And if things and if you play and things don't get better, then it's like, oh, well, you shouldn't have played. So they're in a lose lose situation pretty much unless they play and things get better, <laughs> which isn't I wouldn't say that's likely. I hope that's what happens. But I'm not going to say it's likely. Now. The thing that we've talked about is, I, I don't understand, but what is what is the big deal about playing in the spring? That what is that? That's the part that I've I've failed to grasp is why why they can't just be like, look, we're going to postpone till the spring. We'll play basically the same schedule that the XFL had, and I know that you know. That's the same time. But then it, college football, they still want to make their money. And they still can't. Because if college, it doesn't matter if college football's in the spring or college football's in the fall. People are still going to go. No matter what. It really doesn't matter. And so that way, they can almost see, like, because basketball starts in what? November? Yeah. Right? Yeah, generally November, last day of October, November. Yeah. So if that's the case, they can kind of see okay, well, this is if basketball ends up playing, you know, if we just lock it down for the next till October, which I say that, and we said that in March and it still didn't happen, but it's like, if we could lock it down and just get past the whole like school bust, because we know no matter which side you stand on, there is going to be a boom when school starts, no matter what, like I, I would almost bet my lack of life savings on it. Um, but that when, when people start going back to school, it's going to happen. And so I would be curious, like if basketball goes back, um, then they can almost see how they would handle that and then move on to football. And that seems like the most foolproof option in my eyes. At least. So I'd say the reason why that people are, getting crazy when the season starts getting postponed is because you start going, wait a second, this isn't as sure as we thought it would be. You know, you're bringing change into the equation. You're bringing also the fact of a delay. And it's, well, if it's in spring, what stops it being in summer? If it's, you know, and that type of stuff. And it just kind of starts a, well, well, hang on a second. If they're not for sure that they're going to play then, why are we, we even think that they play in the spring? You know, why do we yeah. think something changes? And, Everything that I can see and understand makes me go, it's, I mean, it's a good point. You know, if it, once once you start postponing stuff, it's like, okay, well, then when when does it for sure start? Once you take it out of its normally scheduled regular thing, okay, well, when does it? 
does that mean it starts up, you know, February 1st? Does that mean it starts up January, you know, 3rd or whatever it is, all type of stuff? Or is it just, hey, listen, we're postponing it. That's how it is. You know, we plan to start it back up, you know, first week of February or whatever and move on, you know. Um, because also you've got just so many stadiums that for whatever the weather ends up being, you know, all of a sudden instead of their first couple of games being really hot and sunny, their last couple of games really hot and sunny and, you know, and that type of stuff too, which I don't think the weather really plays a big factor. People are going to watch college football and go to games in below 32 degrees anyway, since we've seen before and actually we've attended before for OSU games. Yep. But I think that's a lot to do with it is once you start changing stuff around, once it starts moving and oh, wait a second, hang on, hang on a second. You're telling me and it's like, yeah, yeah, I kind of am, you know, I kind of am saying, Hey, listen, this, Spring might be it, you know, and we couldn't hope that it's going to be the spring, but we're not really too certain. And I wish I could tell you differently. I wish I could tell you better, to be honest, too, you know. And I just wonder, like, is that really such a bad option? Because it's it's hard. You bring up a good point about, like, so if we just keep delaying the inevitable, when does the delay actually stop? So it's like. Do we just end up playing? Because it's tough. Like, that's that's almost what I foresee happening. But I also don't think that that a lot of people want to see, like, a half college football season. Like, we don't want to see a college football season without the other big games. Because if we're just looking at conference games, like... I can just think about it now. SEC fans are going to be absolutely unbearable because they're just going to complain that they had to play the hardest schedule and that an 8-3 and three Alabama team is the best team in the country. And it's like, I'm going to want to like put my head through a wall. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of it is also... I look forward to college season every single year. I know you do as well. I know that waking up Saturday mornings to watch college game day is something I really, really look forward to. And it's also something that it's not, it's something I look forward to almost as much as I look forward to like buying, um, you, you know, it's like a really cool <laughs> thing for my birthday or whatever, you know, or something, something in that kind of I mean, I, idea. It brings me back to like, dude, hang on a second. When I was like 14, I would get up and watch college game day in Oklahoma and it would start, you know, granted it didn't start till I want to say, I think it started at 8 a.m. So, you know, cause Eastern starts at 9 a.m. But, but it was always a lot of fun. And once you start changing that type of stuff around and people's ideas on stuff, it changes around too. But the one yeah. thing that we haven't um, really had to change around and ideas on top of stuff is the NBA season, right? The NBA season has, start back up without a hitch. We have all these players without testing positive. And granted, yes, there have been, you know, some players who just straight up said, I'm sitting out, I'm not playing, all type of stuff, whatever. But it's not been players from the top four seeds in either conference that I can mm-hmm. remember at least. I, I mean, it, it has been Avery Bradley for the Lakers that I would do want to mention. And I, I'm sure there's a couple others that I'm forgetting as well. But it's not been a big drop-off. And I've loved being able to watch the NBA and watch the teams in the bubble. It's been awesome. Granted, it's not what I'm used to. It's definitely an adjustment to 
how I normally am seeing, you know, Jack Nicholas or whoever, you know, is on the, you know, basically the courtside seats or whatever, reacting to big shots being hit and all type of stuff as well. But at least sports are back in some form or fashion. I'll give credit to the NBA because they almost made like an adjustment. Like I, I remember watching the first game. What was it? Memphis, Utah. Is that right? Uh, Pelicans, New- Utah. Pelicans, yeah, New Orleans. Yep. And the actual gameplay was terrible. Like, actual, like, the production of it, it was very quiet. It just wasn't very good. But then you watch the games now, and they seem, like, much more real, I guess, which is the closest thing that any of us can ask for. Um, and so I'll give credit to the NBA in that sense. And I haven't watched a ton of NBA games just because, you know, my team's the Wizards and it's, you know, they're terrible. Look, the teams they're trotting out are the teams that Bradley be able to play with. So all y'all need to start giving him credit a little bit more at least. Um, And, like, I'll watch watch the uh, Mavericks – Every now and then, you know, I like watching Luca. He's fun to play. He's fun to watch. Um, I watched that Thunder Lakers game, but I believe I turned it off at halftime because it, it wasn't really much of a game. Um, but yeah, like I, I'll give respect to the NBA in that sense. And I've, I've tried to watch it. I've also started watching, not started, but I've, I've been watching hockey as well because. Vegas is uh, the one seed in the West right now, so I'll just throw that little tidbit in there. Um, but it's it's a lot different. Like, Calvin, obviously, you're a Thunder fan, so it's a lot different when you're watching the team that that is your favorite team. And, like, I can imagine there probably, you know, aren't a ton of, like, Hawks fans watching. Sorry. You can edit that part out. Um there probably aren't a ton of Hawks fans watching, right? There are probably, you know, the lower teams that aren't playing, there are probably less fans of that team watching than there are teams that are actually in the bubble. So it's, you know, it's a little tough to to try and watch because I'm just like, man, I wish the Wizards were playing. I wish Bradley Beal was playing and whatnot, but he's not. Um, but I, I give credit to the NBA for really sticking to their guns on all of this, and they're doing a really good job. Yeah, I, I also give credit to the NBA. It's It's been awesome to watch. Watch games, period. That have been a yeah. ton of fun to see, and there have been players go for 50. There's been the Suns, I'd say resurgence, but honestly just surgeons, period. I mean, from the 13th seed up to now, I believe the 10th, which isn't that big of a difference in the state. Yeah, it's, it's a bigger difference in numbers, but not necessarily in standings because they're all the just a couple of games around. And also watching the Pelicans just absolutely just fold from what I thought they would be and how good I thought they would be. Mm-hmm. You know, I on one hand, I don't know a ton of the rookies in the NBA this year besides Zion and John Morant. And the other rookies that I can think of quickly is like, all right, well, Kendrick Nunn's played great. Don't get me wrong, but he, I believe, was undrafted, if I have that right. Um, then you also have, oh, yeah, there's R.J. Barrett and there's all these other guys. But it, I just think, personally, seeing Zion Williamson be listed as 
rookie of the year candidate when he sat out so much of the season is funny. But also, when when you see the bubble set up the way it is for let's bring in five extra teams from the West, one extra team from the East, because that was the Wizards were the closest to being the eighth seed possible mathematically wise with games back only playing eight more games. Does that make sense? And same thing for the West. Don't get me wrong. But it's almost, okay, this is the Pelicans to lose. Like, this is the Pelicans to to not be that ninth seed. Like, Pelicans and Trailblazers. And one team has has had the chance to get a ton of players healthy and good to go in the Trailblazers. The other team has also had a chance to get their rookie of the year face of the franchise, which I don't think anyone's going to disagree with me on Zion being the face of the Pelicans when he's going to be the face of 2K21 next year. Yeah. And... One team has done extremely well, and all of a sudden, listen, Portland looks great, and the Pelicans looked pretty darn bad. Lonzo looked bad, you know, J.J. Redick was yeah, scored 30 the other night to kind of help try to carry the team, Zion was limited in minutes, and the rest of the guys around the Pelicans that I'd normally be like, oh man, they're going to be great, just, I didn't hear a ton about. You know, I, I watched the games, didn't really, you know, strike a chord or make me go, oh my gosh, they're the best ever. You know? Yeah. So, here's my question to you. Did did you think this Pelicans team was going to be that ninth seed coming in? Have your expectations changed about them going forward after watching them over these? Granted, because it's only been six games after a four-month or so delay, and you had a bunch of other caveats we can throw in there, too. So, I, just for the record, I'm just going to look up their schedule really quick. Um, so that way we know kind of what we're talking about a little bit. Here. Um, so the, I'll, I'll start off. I was extremely high on the Pelicans this year. Once they made the Ingram trade, once they made, you know, once they got Ingram and Lonzo and then they got JJ Redick and I'm like, all right, well, to me, it's pretty set in stone is they're going to have the best defensive backcourt in the NBA. like. And I still, honestly, I still really think they do. Like Lonzo and Drew Holiday is almost like what that's objectively a top two defensive backcourt in the NBA. I don't know who else is above it. Chris Paul and Lou Dort. Yeah, but like, who would you take at the end of the day? Don't be wrong. Lonzo is amazing. Drew Holiday is amazing. But we're not taking. I mean, defensively, that's that's the key thing, I guess, and that's where you have yeah. to really come down to is the defensive side of it. But they're, dude. I like, thought Lonzo was going to be pretty darn good. I didn't think amazing. I didn't think the greatest ever. Granted, I thought Marco Fultz was going to be good. I thought that draft was really, really good overall. And the best guy we've seen out of the whole draft is Jason Tatum by far and away who the Celtics just absolutely stole, basically, from the Sixers and that whole thing, because they moved from one to three and still got the guy that turned out to be the best. But I guess if you're going defensively, and, and I'm, you know, and I guess, you know, it's it's hard because a lot of the teams, like, I would go, oh, dude, Warriors went healthy. Well, Steph, and, Steph is not a good defensive player. You know, they hide him behind Clay, and, and you can keep going down the list with a bunch of others. So, so yeah. With Lonzo and Holiday, like, neither of them, you're like, okay, I'm kind of scared. <laughs> I guess that's probably the point that I'm that I'm making. Um, 
And like, yeah, Lou Dort, but he hasn't started the whole year. Like, you know, if it were Chris Paul and Roberson, then you'd be like, okay, you know, maybe if they if that had been going on the whole year, then we'd be like, all right, well, then it's probably them because Roberson <laughs> is one of the best defensive players in the NBA. Um, and I hate Chris Paul, but, you know, he's still a good player. I will not doubt that. Um, anyways, so back to the Pelicans. Initially, I thought they were going to be really good this year just because I was like, okay, well, they pretty much have all the necessary pieces that you need to have for a winning NBA team. You, They have a good point guard that can defend and pass. Um, they have a guy off the bench, J.J. Redick. I don't even know if he's been starting or if I think it's both. I think he either starts or, or comes off the bench, but he can score. Um, and then you have Drew Holiday, who is, you know, Drew Holiday. Brandon Ingram, who is Brandon Ingram. And then Zion, and then whoever they want to throw at five, to me, it doesn't really matter. You're like, hey, dude, go like rebound and stuff, like score 11 points. It doesn't really matter. Um, but like, if you look at their roster on paper, you're like, wow, this team is, this team is pretty good. Um, I mean, they still have Derek Favors, Josh Hart, Jackson Hayes, Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram. Um, Melly can shoot. Each one more can shoot. Oh, before I'm not even going to lie to myself with that one. Um, JJ Redick, Zion, but like they have a better roster than the Wizards. So it's that's not saying a lot, though. Let's be honest here. Come on. Um, but. But yeah, I, I thought the Pelicans were going to be good coming into the year. And like, they lost first game, they lose to Utah by two, which, sorry, they shouldn't. I, like, I don't think Utah's that good. I, like, I just don't. They fell off like massively. Um, then they lost to the Clippers. They beat Memphis. And then they lose to Sacramento by 15. And then they beat the Wizards, which, like, congratulations. Um, and then they lose to the Spurs. So, that's pretty bad. Like, realistically, if you're looking at their lineup, on paper, they should have lost one game to the Clippers. They should have beat Utah. They should have. They beat Memphis. Should have beat Sacramento. Beat Washington. Should have beat San Antonio. And then they played Sacramento and Orlando. I think they had the easiest schedule, if I'm not mistaken. De- definitely one of the easiest. I mean, because of course we can just be forgetting about it, a couple teams here or there. It's it's bizarre to me how different I thought the Pelicans would play and would be versus how they did. You know, uh, I, I really thought, okay, you know what? This is going to be, hey, this is going to be awesome. We're going to see Zion versus Jaw. It's going to be Pelicans are going to jump up to ninth seed if they weren't already there. Kind of forget how on March 11th, wherever everything stopped at. And we're going to see, okay, Zion versus Jaw, but really, okay, Brandon Ingram going for most improved player of the year. We're going to see him, you know, 
just just keep his keep his momentum, keep everything he was doing, be be great again. And then we're gonna see all these other players basically for the Pelicans to step up and be better. And as you as you're saying, be better defensively, right? Hey, really a Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell should be just shut down against Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball. That shouldn't be tough, you know? But still, you know, okay, lose by two. All right, let's take off some rust, you know. All right, whatever, all the sub stuff. But then you figure the rest of the games that you're mentioning there. Okay, that defensive backcourt is really got to be what it is, you know. Yeah. But the other thing is, is that I, I am curious about Zion. Like, from everything I've I've seen, you know, he was averaging, what, close to 20 points a game in the games he did play in, you know. And, and he wasn't playing 30 plus minutes a night, I don't believe. I believe he was still not playing a ton. So, I, I just what are happened? We, like, what, like, is, huh? Like, are we going to get a Kyrie Irving his whole career? Where it's like, he's well, most did, of the time, and when he's hurt, it's bad, and he's, like, not playing for long periods. Or is this one of those things where, Listen, this is going to be like a Sixers scenario, kind of like how they did with, it's hard to equate with like Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz, and Joel Embiid, but is this going to be a, is this kind of like that, of going, hey, listen, we've got a franchise-altering player, why put him out there 30 plus minutes a night to possibly, from from the things we've seen um, previous so far, to have a shorter offseason than ever to recover? Right mm-hmm. to play again. When how much is it going to do? What what's good's it going to do for Zion and the rest of the Pelicans to play as the eight seed? You know, we've seen we've seen eight seeds knock off one seeds before. I believe that was you know Memphis and San Antonio a couple years back, and you know I can keep going or whatever on that too. It's it's happened before, but. Is, is that one of those things of, listen, this is an asset, this is a franchise-changing player for us, so why put him out there in these situations where he's going to have to do a lot to get our team to be to this point? This isn't a, hey, we're currently the eighth seed, let's get on some minutes before we get in the playoffs and you know, see how we do, whatever. This is like a, hang on a second, got to ramp it way up. And he's got to be doing so good on the stuff to be killing it. I just... I want mean, to. I, I want to side on that. I want to think on that side of it because the the side you're thinking of it, while it seems kind of realistic, because there's not straight up just an injury that he has. You know, this isn't a, a Ben Simmons. What he hurt his hurt one of his legs, right? And Embiid was one of the same things. Marco Fultz, like, granted, it still yeah looks looks great when he plays the Magic, but was dealing with some stuff for a while, as we know. So. This isn't like a, hey, Zion has this one issue and this is the thing and we, you know, we're going to really pace him back. This is like a, well, he's not in great shape or he's, you know, or whatever it is. You know what I mean? And worried about a bunch of stuff. But, okay, I guess you kind of just figure it out and see how he does and hopefully all good to go start of next season. If next season hopefully starts up in December, which is, I think, still the hope from everyone, right? I forget kind of where the official line's gone on that or not, or the uh, the word, but but the Pelicans just ended up being, they ended up playing just as good as they were in the regular season, 
you know, for those games before they had kind of that push towards the playoffs and, you know, in, in February and March, if the all-star break, they end up playing just right, you know, the same as they were before the all-star break is, you know, as they are in the, these kind of, what, six games they're playing in, right? Because they leave the bubble on, what, on the, on Wednesday, on the 12th, or, yeah, on the 12th. So, it's been, um, really underwhelming, you know? I mean, my thing was, like, how is he, how is the dude still hurt? What is he like, hurt from? What is, you know, what is the, yeah. And I know, like, if people want to come at me with, like, Bradley Beal crap, fine. But Bradley Beal didn't play because he wanted that, he needed to have rotator cuff surgery. So he did. And I think that's a big difference between, like, Zion's been hurt all year. So what, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to knock him. Like if he's actually hurt, he's actually hurt. But when he goes out and plays, it doesn't seem like he is. Yeah. And and there's also the, as I look more into the Pelicans and stuff here. So it's the Pelicans last night, right? Zion Williamson played 27 minutes in last night's loss to the Spurs. Um, scored 25 points. Brandon Ingram scored 17. Drew Holiday scored 7. Lonzo Ball scored 5. And J.J. Reddick scored 31. And then the rest of the team is... Uh, Derek Avers had 10. He's the other, only other guy in double digits that I'm going to mention. Um, no one else in double digits for the team. So, I don't know. If I'm the Pelicans, like... On one hand, Drew Holiday's played 35 minutes. He has to score more than seven points. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know who on the Spurs is really putting the clamps on him on defense. I think Drew Holiday's a good player for sure. But is that, I don't know, is that just a tough matchup? Is that just a tough game for him? Or Greg Popovich just pulling another one out of the hat where he's just amazing? Are the Pelicans going, listen, you look at the standings. We have to, you know, we have to win out and let's just kind of, Listen, it's it's been a good run, you know, or whatever, right? Like, like, cool, we're we're good. Um, because the Pelicans and the Kings have both been eliminated. The Spurs, Suns, Trailblazers all can battle for that ninth seed to be within the amount of games they need to be to play Memphis in a you know I think it's a three game playoff if I have that right. Um, you know, to kind of battle to have that eighth seed locked up. So, l- listen, and there's a lot of different ways this could go. Because Phoenix and San Antonio are both tied right now for that 10th spot. And they are one game back of the Grizzlies. But the Trailblazers are only half game back of the Grizzlies. is the funny part, too. So, let's talk about that for a second, too. If you had to pick one of these three teams. Trailblazers, Sun, Spurge, right? Which one would you rather have in the playoffs? If not Memphis. Rob, it's going to hurt. It's probably going to hurt you. I say this, but it, it's Portland. I mean, and it's purely just because they have an X factor. And Lillard? Yeah. Like, they have, of the three teams, they have the best player. And, like, I, I really, really like Lillard. I always have. And, and I've always thought he was really good. So it's... Like, I'm happy to see him playing well, but it's difficult to see his team so bad. 
Listen, I've grown up as a Thunder fan. Everyone knows this, you know, and there's a key reason of I've grown up as a Thunder fan and clearly the way that the Thunder lost to the Trailblazers last year has definitely uh, provided a deep scar for me, probably uh, mentally, mentally at least permanently, for how Damian Lillard hit a almost half-court shot over Paul George to send the Thunder home. So that's the reason why I don't like Damian Lillard. I don't think any Thunder fan's a big Damian Lillard fan. But for that same reason, Damian Lillard is going out there and battling for his team. And the more I look at Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, at least they, they play very differently. One, it's a lot more threes, is undersized. One is almost almost physically oversized for the position than Westbrook and makes a lot more drives to the rim to just dunk on people. Damian Lillard, I don't know how many dunks he's had if he had in a game. So I, I don't like it when people go, listen, hang on a second. Lillard's better than Westbrook because I look at it being, well, if you put Lillard on that Thunder team for the 2017 year and then with Paul George, I think that maybe the team's about the same, but I don't think they're better. So that's I why I choose, that's why I choose Russ Westbrook. But what I'm getting at is, is that I have respect for Damian Lillard and I'll have more respect for him going forward as more years as we get away from Russ Westbrook and the Thunder jersey too. Because it's a little bit easier to see. And Paul George keeps, you know, chirping at Damon Lillard along Patrick Beverly while they're not playing in the game, then I'm going to expect Damon Lillard a lot more too. You know, as well. I'm going to go, okay, yeah, you know what? Why, why would you talk? I, I've never understood that. If you're not playing, <laughs> what leg do you have to stand on here? Like if, if Damian Lillard, if really any player, if any player is going to come out and just take a dump on your whole team and you're not playing and then you come back and start talking smack. Well, here's a playoff matchup I would love to see, and it's physically impossible right now, but it's definitely the Clippers Trailblazers yeah. <laughs> because, because Dan Lord's going to go, hey, I was without my center the whole season basically until this point, and I still am going to will this team to at least to probably be in the playoffs. Right now, as it stands, if the Trailblazers end up losing a game and the Suns end up winning another game or whatever, and the Suns or the Spurs end up playing the Grizzlies instead of the Trailblazers because of, you know, however it works out, that'll honestly be a tragedy for me as an NBA fan because it'll be, man, I would have really loved to see Damian Lillard play against the Lakers. I, I would much rather see him play. Huh? They have a Carmelo that knows how to play team basketball, so that's pretty oh, Gosh, well, wait, a Carmelo Anthony that does play with the team and comes off the bench? No, no, no. Um, I, but I would just love to see Damon Lillard play against the Clippers and just go, listen here, you guys have taken games off, all type of stuff, whatever, and you have the you know finals MVP in Kawhi and you have a multiple all-time all-star in uh, Paul George. But we're going to go ahead and try to give you work in that first round. It just, I wish the Trailblazers could play the Clippers. It just, they can't, you know? Because um, yeah. there is no part of me whatsoever that will be a Patrick Beverly fan forever. I mean, granted, a freak injury, maybe, against Russ, if that's how he wants to play it. But that dude, every single time he played against Russ, just was on the losing end of it in the regular season. Now, in the postseason, 2017. Yep, the Houston Rockets figured out you can hack Robertson just like people were hacking Shaq and 
win games that way too. And not just straight up on, we've listened, we have James Harden and Chris Paul and just beat us straight up like that. But so be it. So be it. The Thunder fan in me comes out, you know, sometimes and growing up as a Thunder fan. I mean, great. Really fond memories of a team going to the playoffs for basically nine out of the first 10 years. So look, it's why I hate the Hawks. Because? Because of the playoff crap. They yeah. always talk smack and act like they're better than us, but the only time they've been better than us is when John Wall broke his hand. Yeah, and they, I, I believe if I'm correct on this, did the Hawks make it into the bubble? I'm sorry, did, did Trey Young make it into the bubble? Oh wait, wait a second. But but I the but the, but the, the but the Nets with Kyrie Irving being here almost the whole year did right, and then the Wizards without John Wall the whole year did make it to the bubble as well, right? Qualified for the bubble, right? Look, look. All right, I'm just gonna go. Let me do this tangent real quick. It'll be a short one because I already did it too early, so I already got it all out. No, you're good. Keep, all go for it. Talking smack about the Wizards can just like. I'm not cussing, but just like go away. Stop being annoying. This is the team, along with Bradley Beal and our second best player named David Bertans, <laughs> that they trotted out every single night. And, and y'all just come out and talk like, oh, this is, um, you know. This is just a tryout. This is almost like an intramural league game. This is a rec league game. Yeah, it is. And Bradley Beal still almost took to them to the playoffs. And I see a lot of this smack from the freaking Knicks fans. Knicks fans, honestly, what leg do you have to stand on here? It, it's ridiculous. And if Bradley Beal doesn't make All-NBA and Trey Young does... 2020 is going to look a whole lot worse. Sorry, are you, are you threatening anyone right now, or just to be clear? Are you, are you threatening anyone, or are you just saying, listen, this is how it is? No, I know. I, I don't think anyone's going to say this is crazy or out of the question or all type of stuff, but when you have an all-star on your team, and your team finishes four spots lower, or four, four wins, four less wins, excuse me, than the team that is missing their all-star and does not have an all-star on their team. Then all of a sudden I go, yeah, is Trey Young an all-star, or are we just kind of going, ah, he looks cool. Like, we've had this discussion too many times. We're both Oklahoma State grads, you know, and, and of course fans, by the same point. We're not, we're not Trey Young fans. Um, Trey Young could really use a Lou Dort or an Andre Roberson or whoever so that, that the Hawks can hide him even more on defense because the dude's too short. But Trey Young is a good player. Don't, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah he, he's a good player. He's just not an all star. No, I don't think he's an all star. And if he is an all star, then Bradley Beal should also be an all star. Like, there's just go, like, People that say he's not, go look at their roster. It is the worst. I will put my money on it. It is the worst roster in the NBA. It, it's it's not a good roster. I 
There, I have another contender, but I mean, it, it, there's, it's not a good roster. Don't get me wrong. It's Who's it's also. The, I'm just curious, huh? Who's the other contender? I'm just curious. Well, so so the point the point I want to get at though is that the the Trey Young hype is is great because you know what that makes the Hawks watchable. Right, like, like I'm tuning in to watch Hawks games to see Trey Young go off for 40 or 30 or whatever. He is a really, really good player. There are no ifs, ands, and buts about that. And I go to Hawks games, and he scores points at will. And, like, and, I, and he's incredibly good at basketball. Like, I'm not. I'm he. Listen, he's from Oklahoma. I should be repping the Oklahoma. Um, the Oklahoman and me should be repping a fellow guy who grew up in Oklahoma as well, too. Right, but. I do look at it and go, yeah, it's just, he plays, he beats me in basketball the way my little brother who's 13 beats people in basketball, you know? He, he dribbles around the top of the key, back and forth, four or five times, you get annoyed, you swipe at the ball, and then all of a sudden he dribbles past you because the one swipe he had didn't work, and he's got a layup, or you, you kind of try to play, you know, physical defense against him, and he... You know, he sees that he sees the reach or he sees you coming up against him and he either treats you like you're a mattress when he flies into you at the rim or he takes a couple steps back and goes, yeah, I'm just going to just randomly hit this turnaround switch or use the rim as a defender and go up underneath. And listen, my 13 year old brother is really good at basketball and I'm really bad at basketball in comparison for being more than double his age. But Trey Young is also insanely good at basketball and does a lot of the same type of, man, okay, yeah, he just crossed him over. Yeah, oh, he got him on that reach. Oh, yeah, he hit that layup incredibly. Oh, man, he hit a three-pointer out of nowhere, you know, a D3 over the defender. And he's not bad. I just don't think anyone's going to argue with me on this. If you are you're playing, you know, 5v5, you're going to take Bradley Beal over Trey Young 95% of the time. The other 5% is, is that if you have um, Clay Thompson on your team instead, you know, or you have Andre Roberson or whoever, because you go, okay, you know what? Like, we do have a guy who can play defense. You know, we do have a guy who's tall enough or, or whatever. And Trang's definitely a good basketball player. I wish I could say differently. I wish I could also say that he beat OSU in either of the two times that he played OSU as well in Bethlehem basketball, but he did not. And the only reason why I wish I could say that is because then I give more credit to me. But the other thing I got to say is, is that if you're the Hawks, if you're the Knicks, if you're the Wizards, if you're the Hornets, what are you, what are you doing right now? Like, are you going, hey, you know what? This is how we win next season. We need some draft picks. We need other type of stuff. Do you go, listen, we need to make some trades? Like, like, what are the teams who are not, who did not make it to the bubble? Yeah, I, I know the Wizards made it to the bubble, but like, I also don't want to say the Wizards made it to the bubble because, uh, listen, Wizards are fine, but Bradley Beal and John Wall did not make it to the bubble. So I, for all intents and purposes, like, the Wizards did not go out there. Just like, the, like, the same thing with, like, the Nets, like Spencer Dinwiddie and, um, Kyrie and KD all did not make it to the bubble. Granted, Kyrie and Katie are, in, are injured, and Spencer Dinwiddie, I don't think, tested positive um, to go to the bubble either. But, like, the Nets and the Wizards, you know, they're, they're kind of in a different spot because they'll have their guys back next year, right? So, so you're, let's say you're a team that didn't make it to the bubble. What can you change this offseason to theoretically make it to the bubble next season? So, 
it sucks for those teams because one of the one of our favorite pastimes is like the trade deadline, right? So you want to sell you want to sell high. So any player that you have that is playing moderately well, that's usually on a higher contract, maybe it's a one or two year deal, you sell them for a first round draft pick, and that's all good and great. We all pretty much know how this works. Um, you know, the Wizards almost did that with Bertons, but didn't get a first round pick for him. So I'm I'm glad they didn't trade him. But but it's stuff like that. And I don't necessarily know that if those bottom, like, especially those bottom East teams, like if you're Cleveland, like, I think at this point you just got to keep riding the wave that you guys are going to suck for the next five years. Like, you got to just draft somebody and hopefully you get, like, a Giannis and you just get lucky. Um if you're the Hawks, I don't care. I hope you're bad. Um, I'm not even going to talk about them. It's the same thing. Like, soccer is the same way. Where it's like, you know, you get rid of the contracts and you kind of, like, move on from there. Um, Knicks, don't care. Bulls, you guys have already tried to screw yourself already. <laughs> and then the Hornets. So I would say the Hornets are in, like, a similar position as the Wizards. Um, without like a Bradley Beal or John Wall, but they have some pretty bad contracts that they have with like Batum, um, a couple other guys that it's just like, why'd you do that? Um, but yeah, like the team that obviously I can attest to most is the Wizards, and it stinks that we couldn't trade Bertans for a first round pick. And so I think one of the things that we have to do is we have to get lucky in the lottery. Um, but I agree, like trading, trading Brad, Bradley Beal when we're anticipating John Wall coming back this year is a tough thing to do because you're anticipating the point guard coming back, being healthy, and then you just go from there. So I, I guess with the Wizards, it's like you let John Wall come back and then go from there. If it doesn't work, then, then you start to kind of, start trading stuff but that's that's my i mean and this was a weird year like i would assume that the teams that are bad this year are going to be bad next year with the exception to probably the wizards yeah i I, i'd say this if you're a team that didn't make the bubble you've you've got to make the trade and the, the trade has to be a, we're going to make a trade because we want it to only be bad for three more years instead of five, you know, and that's what you're hoping to get out of the trade, right? Like if you're Cleveland, there is not a, there is not a um, reason why you should keep Kevin Love if you can get anything valuable at, back out of Kevin Love, right? If you, if you trade Kevin Love and a second rounder for a first rounder, you know, you and, and, and a guy, do it because what listen Kevin Love is probably a great locker room guy probably great for the developing guys I mean I really like Kevin Love as a human being and all the mental health awareness stuff and all the stuff that I follow with them as well um Kevin Love if you ever want to join the podcast feel free to let me know and if also if you're listening at minute 56 it is more than appreciated than you ever know but I am I'm a I'm a big believer in Let's just go ahead and just move on. You know, like, like, let's not, let's not sell a guy too short, but let's also look at it and go, okay, 
who are the guys on our roster right now who, if we didn't have them on a roster, we would have more flexibility and could be better. You know, I not saying would be better, just if you lose Kevin Love, who's a you know an All Star, you know previously has won a three point championship, um, you know three point shootout in the All Star games as well, and has you know, won an NBA championship, etc. Yeah, probably losing Kevin Love is not a great idea. But if you go, is this team with Kevin Love going to the playoffs in the next three years, or is this team without Kevin Love going to the playoffs? Then factor in that way. And listen. Maybe Cleveland gets the number two pick overall this year, right? And they're able to trade the number two overall pick this year to, oh, I don't know. I mean, for example, let's say, um, let's say, let's just throw it, throw everything out there and just go, let's trade it with Phoenix. And Devin Booker comes over to Cleveland and all of a sudden you've got, you've got, um, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, I believe, um, Devin Booker, Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, Andre Drummond. That team's probably a playoff team in the East, to be honest. You know, I, I don't know if they're, uh, you know, a fourth or higher seed, but that's a great idea. But you also look at it and you go, well, that's not happening. And we're let's say we're dealing in more realistic, you know, times. What would we really see happening that could actually be a difference maker, you know, or, or such? What could really change it? And this is where I want to bring up Minnesota. Timberwolves are one of the teams where, oh my gosh, how in the world are they the 14th seed, right? Was there a bunch of injuries that I don't that I've kind of forgotten about? Was Carlton Towns? I, I listen. I know that since the COVID's happened, his mother's passed away, and he has, um, you know, really been taking on different stuff, especially socially and, and actively in the communities as well, too that we've talked about before. But why? Why were the temper why were the Timberwolves not in the this final third you know, final five teams that are racing for that eighth seed? Why were they not above the Spurs with DeRozan or the Suns with Booker or you know, the Pelicans or the Grizzlies or whoever? If if you line up side by side rosters and you go, would you rather have D'Angelo Russell and Carlton Towns or John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., I'm definitely taking the Wolves in that scenario. That's not a question, right? I mean, I guess, like, D'Angelo came in, like, mid-year, but it's so hard because, in my opinion, if you look at the Timberwolves roster, it is so much better than than the Grizzlies roster. Just, like, with the picks that they've had and, and all that, like, it is just better. And so it's, it's really difficult for me to cut Cat or D'Angelo Russell any slack when, when like that happened, and then they just still can't win any basketball games. Yeah, I just, I want the Wolves to be better. I really like their jerseys. I really like a team in Minnesota playing well. I mean, the Kevin Garnett years, I wish they had done better in, of course, too. But I just feel like the Wolves just have a lot of un. Um, untapped potential, you know, I guess, I guess the big thing, right? I guess I really wish they had a lot of more success because they have a lot of untapped potential for sure right now too. And yeah. I just, I, I, yeah, I look at those rosters and I go, how in the world are we not talking more about the Wolves every day? 
You know, how are we not talking about the Wolves more than the Suns? You know, and all that type of stuff, too. Granted, Carlton Towns probably not hitting fadeaway jumpers over Kawhi and Paul George, but he might be posting up Rudy Gobert. You know what I mean? So, you know, or hitting a three over an outstretched, you know, center who's got to come out and guard him or whatever as well, too. I don't, I don't know. It just, it, it, it seems so long ago that we we're talking about Carlton Towns versus Joel Embiid. And that uh, Wolves-Sixers game, that was just way back in, I think, November or so. And now we're in a place where we're, I hope Ben Simmons is healthy, you know, sooner rather than later. And we see the Sixers back in the playoffs again, all type of stuff, too. They are in the playoffs this year, I want to say, as well. But I just, I want to see teams always healthy. You know, that I think makes more of a valid championship year, right? Like, are we going to view this NBA champion like we view the Raptors NBA champion because... You know, Steph and Clay and uh, KD are all out. You know what I mean? Like three of the top ten guys in the league. Are we going to say, "Oh yeah, this is the, you know this is the greatest"? I know all the Lakers fans will if LeBron wins. I know the I know that the Bucks fans all will if um, you know if Giannis and the Bucks win. And if the Bucks do win or an Eastern Conference team wins, I'll give them more credit almost than the Lakers because I feel like the Lakers should win it all. But, you know, I kind of digress a little bit, right? And go back into the, you know, what I think is also possible versus not too. So. Well, and if the Lakers don't win, then God forbid it's because Avery Bradley didn't play. Yeah. Yeah, it's because Avery Bradley or, you know, oh, Deion Waiters took the three-pointer instead of LeBron or whatever it is too. Always, always love hearing and seeing the on-waiter stories, though, for sure. <laughs> I just, um, I was listening to one of the Ringer podcasts the other day, and, you know, um, Rajah Bell actually is, he's, I forget the other guy who's co-doing, co-doing the podcast with him, and I should know this, but they started up a new one on the Ringer NBA show. I believe it comes out on Monday, so if you're listening to this also on August 10th, as I hopefully edit the podcast put out tonight, too, um... But Roger Bell was saying how he had to tell Deion Waiters when he was with, I think, Cleveland at the time. Yeah, uh, when he was in Cleveland, he got traded. And I'd tell Deion, hey, he got traded. Um, or whatever, which, man, some of the stuff the NBA players, you know, got to do that are, you know, more of the experienced NBA players do for the younger and the rookies and second-year guys, whatever. I go, wow, that's, that's insane. Um, before we end this out, though, I do want to ask you. So, most improved player. You've got uh, you got Luca, Bam, and Brandon Ingram, most improved player, and then six men of the year. You've got two guys on the same team with Montrose Harrell and Lou Williams, and then you've got Dennis Schroeder. Of course, the Thunder biased in me wants to ask you about the six man of the year first. Wh- which of those three guys are you taking? Which do you feel like deserves six man of the year more than the others? I'm gonna I'm gonna say Schroeder. I really am, and it's. You know that I don't like Dennis Schroeder at all because um, of his time with the Hawks. Um, but I think the Schroeder comes from the fact of the Clippers had the best team. They had Kawhi. They had Paul George. Whereas, like, coming into the year, I thought the Thunder would be good anyways. Like, I remember at the beginning of the year, people told me, oh, the Thunder are going to be worse than the Wizards. And I laughed at them. Um, 
and we've already had this whole conversation, but like I guess on paper you would think that the Thunder would be worse. You wouldn't think that Schroeder would would play as well as he did, you know, especially coming off the bench and whatnot. Um, but like I didn't think the Thunder would be that bad. Like I, I guess I had more faith in Chris Paul. Um, even though I can't stand him, I know that like he does more for an NBA team than like what you just see like on the court. Um, so I would say Schroeder in that aspect. And then most improved, I don't know why Luca's on there. I know he, he had that quote come out, but it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me of like why he's on there. Um, cause I know he said Devonte Graham, right. Who the hard part is, is we went to a big 12 school. <laughs> so we saw Devonte Graham torch us a lot. Um, but, like, he would probably have to be my most improved player. Like, if he goes from a name nobody knew to a name more people know now, like, people already knew Bam. Bam Bam was Bam. Brandon Ingram was Brandon Ingram. But um, Devontae Graham, like, he came out of nowhere to a lot of people. Not really to us, but to a lot of people. Yeah, to anyone who's seen KU play and won the Big 12 championship for however many years in a row, for more than a decade now, I believe, we're going to go, yeah, Devontae Graham, we, we kind of see this coming, or possibly. But I also kind of thought the same thing about Frank Mason, and he's been in and out of stuff too. So I am very surprised about Graham. If I had to pick one of the most approved players out of the list available, I'm taking Ingram because Bam, to me, has been playing really good and has started games all type of stuff and he's definitely gotten he's definitely gotten better in every statistical category all type of stuff too but it's almost like um i they made bam the point guard <laughs> well it, it's it's almost a okay so you you're changing who these players are on the lakers he's not the guy you know the the guy is lebron or whoever now all of a sudden the guy can be brandon ingram and so you're changing the roles and how the team uses them, et cetera, et cetera, too. And then Luca, it doesn't make a lot of sense why he's on the list. He's a second year player. Of course, he's going to be better in the second season. It's Luca Doncic. Like, he's amazing. But in my opinion, like, if. It, well, if, if you are top seven in MVP voting, maybe top 10 in MVP voting, you shouldn't also be able to be a finalist for a most improved player, I guess is my thing. You know, mm-hmm. like, like if you, and, and maybe I think Giannis has actually been on both lists before too. Yeah. Of and 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 the Giannis one it makes more sense to me than the Luca thing because Luca, like, I think we all saw that coming. The straight up, like, okay, once this dude's not a rookie, he's going to be incredible. But also, you know, get to Kristaps and the whole thing too, and Kristaps healthy and everything as well. Um. This one's hard for most improved player because normally I would go a guy like uh, Devontae Graham, but I'd also want to say, yeah, but it's got to be a guy who's like in the in the playoffs, you know, kind of like willed his team to how good he's been. If I can choose choose any most improved player, period, across the whole league, then it's, I mean, hard for me not to think of a guy like Devont- Devonta Sabonis or somebody who's just taking that team just so much further than we really thought they would be, you know? TJ Warren. Yeah, TJ Warren, over the, but, you know, over these last eight games, but you're in TJ Warren, you know? Is Sam 
that sample size of TJ Warren is probably a little small. TJ Warren is younger than I am. I thought the dude was like in his 30s and had been in the league for like a decade plus. TJ Warren is still 26. The fact that the Suns traded him away for what they did is absolutely insane. TJ Warren won um, ACC Player of the Year while he was at NC State. So it's not like he was... I've always liked him. I always wanted him more than Otto Porter when we had him. Um, I mean, he was a consensus... I don't know how he was second-team All-American. But, like, TJ Warren has always been really good to me. So it's, it's tough to, like look at it and go, oh, you know, I'm, I'm shocked by this. And I'm like, no, I'm not really. Like Jabari Parker was the other player he won over um, Marcus Page at UNC, um, Tyler Ennis at Syracuse, James McAdoo at UNC as well, Malcolm Brogdon. So it's like he's not winning over bombs <laughs> is my point. Um but, yeah, like, I don't know how he wasn't, like, C.J. Fair. Uh, how do you win ACC Player of the Year but second-team All-ACC? <laughs> that doesn't make a Like, C.J. Fair. Do you remember C.J. Fair from Syracuse? Uh, to be honest, no. I do not. Uh, he wore a headband and all that. Um, hmm. But he was supposed to be really good, like, leave after his first year and whatnot, and he ended up not. Um but he got first team all ACC. Anyways, I'm happy to see TJ Warren playing well. I know he's probably not eligible for the award now, but if we're going like most improved bubble player, he's probably on the list. Yeah, if we maybe we'll have after after Friday when we have the bubble kind of the the regular bubble season. I guess the final eight games done, we could do our um, MVP of the bubble type of stuff, which is either TJ Warren or Devin Booker. You know, at this point. Yeah. Um, for me, at least, I I gotta say, uh, for the six man, I'm gonna go. Um, well, to cap it off, most of the player, I'm going Brandon Ingram. I think that he's just played amazing, and Pelicans have found a better way to use him. Slash, he's just gotten better. Period. And then for six man, the bias in me, of course, wants to say Dennis Schroeder, but also I think about it and I go, well, yeah, but the Clippers were already gonna be like really, really good. So, so. so but it's also not an MVP thing, too. So I'm like, well, so was, but was Lou Williams just incredible for the Clippers? Or was Montrose Harrell also incredible for the Clippers? Like, if there was, like, another player that was on a different team in there, it'd make, it, it'd make, it'd make Lou Williams or Montrose Harrell's, um, you know, they're, they're worth more, right? Because then all of a sudden you're not choosing between two guys on one team. You're choosing between one, you know, one guy on each team for that Expand the year, and also the Thunder had almost no chance to make the playoffs, like per ESPN stats, and you know, 0.2% chance or whatever. And he goes, as you go through the Western Conference, if you just straight up take out the Thunder and you go, okay, listen, we're gonna take out the Thunder, we're gonna go, all right, let's say the Thunder are not the what currently the fifth seed in the West, you know, okay, also. The Trailblazers, the Spurs, the Pelicans, Kings were ninth last year, too. 
any of those teams, the Timberwolves, as we talked about them for, again, for way too long in this podcast, every single time we talk about them. But any of those teams can replace the Thunder easily in my mind, without a, without a doubt. And when you see Chris Paul play the way he did with James Harden versus the way he's playing with the Thunder, it's almost, not night and day, but it's, wow, Chris Paul is much, much better than I gave him credit for last season, too. Much, much better with this supporting cast. Daniel Gallinari staying healthy the whole year too. Stephen Adams staying mostly healthy through the whole year as well as as well too. Granted, a bunch of those guys sat out today. You know, Shea and a bunch of others, and that's why they lost by twenty seven to the Suns. But yeah, I'm gonna go Schroeder. I'm also gonna go Schroeder. We'll we'll wrap it up here before we get the since we probably won't do another one prior to the actual technical regular season ending. Mm-hmm. Who are you picking to win the finals? Can I can I pick the finals matchup instead of who wins it all? Is that okay? Yeah. Um, because it's almost the same thing at that point. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take the Lakers versus the Bucks in the final. I'm gonna take the Lakers to win it all. And the only reason why I say that is that I th- think at some point during that Thunder game, the Lakers had they went. Uh, you know what, dude? All right. Anthony Davis is 5,000 at one point. We're just going to not really go as hard as possible. And listen, that that game, watch, it, watch the whole game through. That game was an awesome game. And every single Thunder fan should be thinking the same thing that, you know, I am as well, too, of, listen, the team played incredibly well and was really, really good and showed up the number one overall seed, period. But if I'm the Lakers fans, I also know what would be going through my head is, uh, yeah, we didn't really have a lot to play for. We already had number one seed. We already had et cetera, et cetera, whatever it is as well, too. So after being down 10 for, you know, the first half or whatever it was, the Lakers go, eh, we're just not going to try as hard. We're going to get J.R. Smith some minutes and Dion and a bunch of others as well, too, just so we can see how they do against the Thunder. And the Thunder go on to keep beating them by 20. So... Yeah, I'm going to go Lakers, win the whole thing against the Bucs. What about you? I'm going Bucs. Um, I think they're the healthiest. Yeah, I'm just going, who's, Diana, who's winning the NBA Finals this year? Your best team, so your best team. So you got Clippers, Lakers, Bucks, Toronto. Diana's got Lakers too. Yeah. Hard to say no right now, though. (laughs) She said they have good odds. That is true. They do have LeBron James, too. It's it's hard for me not to say he's the best player in the NBA night in, night out. You know? So. Very true. All right, well. Jake, as always, thank you so much for joining the latest episode of the CGA Tour podcast. Please follow at the CGA Tour on Twitter, um, Facebook, Instagram. And please give us a review and rating as well, too. Especially if you're listening to this on, onto the podcast. All those reviews and ratings on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get the podcast always help as well. Jake, thanks so much again for joining me, and we'll catch you guys soon. See you guys.